Hello! Welcome to Why Not Both, the podcast all about how our multiple passions and interests shape our identity and our lives. My name is Pam Schaefer, and I am a musician and therapist in Los Angeles, and I also happen to be your host. This podcast is produced by Laura Studeris, and for this season, we've partnered up with Under the Radar magazine. If you like what you hear, you can hang out with us on social media. We are on Twitter and Instagram at WNB, the podcast. And if you really, really like what you hear, please support us on Patreon. We are under Why Not Both podcast. When you join our Patreon, you get a whole bunch of really cool behind the scenes stuff and you get to chat with us. And that's pretty awesome. Thank you so much for your support, and I hope you enjoy our interviews. For this week's episode, we got to talk to musician and all-around fascinating person, John Vanderslice. I hope you enjoy this interview. Here we are, <laughs> so lost in the weeds. <laughs> Welcome Once to Wine Up where I'm fascinated by the art behind your head because it matches the paint on the wall so beautifully and I'm I know it's it. and it's totally haphazard it's just like you know there's that the that's a like a an original um uh the 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 firebird suite it's a, like a London <gasps> records it's it's like a pressing from the 50s it's a really good sounding I have a lot of classical records yeah and then that's just like my friend Joe Williams did that art and then it's just you know, it's just like the color palette of my life. And this shirt, you know, kind of yes, in there, my your hair. shirt and your hair. That was what was yeah. so fascinating is that I was like, you and the art and the wall, it all, everything was so congruous. Like well, I choose all the colors in, in the house. So it's like, there's like a, a color palette that I kind of like, you know, and it's very similar everywhere. So it's, that's amazing. Yeah. <laughs> I've been thinking about color lately because I, I've been <clears throat> kind of like redecorating in my place and and yeah. because I'm I'm actually going to be getting a new place soon and so I wanted to almost kind of like demo different yeah. colors in this space to see how yeah. I felt so that it's almost like this is my EP and then like the next place is my album yeah um, where I'm like okay I want to try it out and I'm I'm so curious like what speaks to you about those colors like do you have the same colors say like in the like in your bedroom where you want to go to sleep or are they like Here, I'll show you. Creative so spaces there's, or? there's only three colors in the whole oh and by the way I have to because I have like a friend coming at 12 30 on the nose so we just all good yeah good. All good so so here's one color see this blue so Ooh. that's there's only three colors and it's like a periwinkle yeah and then there's this kind of like toothpastey green uh-huh and then there's uh-huh. like this red so this these are the only colors in the house and then they repeat over and over and over again so you get to another room and it's like here it is the the toothpaste again paste is back and then down and then you get to another bathroom and it's like the there we go the The blue you know so cool and then i i think first off where do you live um, I'm in Los Angeles. Um, so I've been demoing in my home, like different color palettes and different yeah. spaces of it because during the pandemic, like, I mean, I do love the condo I live in. It's my family's condo. Like they grew up in WeHo. I love it here. Yeah. It's too small to basically be doing recording music in here and podcasting. And I run a therapy practice that went from just yes. eight people. Yes. Yep. So you it's need like space. A, it's all in one room and I'm like, um, yep. Oh God. And so like, 
I need more space, but I've been thinking a lot about, because I've been inside here so much, how much my environment affects me. Um, And it has always been quite pleasant in here, but I was thinking particularly about like how color can affect your mood and all sorts of So when you show me the different colors, which which color is in like kind of your creative rooms? Like it looks almost like the brighter one, then there was one that was red. Well, they're all they're all, it all changes. And I live in like a mansion. So I, so I live in Filipino town. So I live in LA. Yeah. And so I'm, I'm like, you know, I'm like potentially very close to you if you move to Legion Heights. Cause I'm, you know, it's just, you know, where you've been lived here your whole life, you know, where I am. Yeah. Yeah. So, so I'm like right near the old bootleg, you know, like. Oh, that was my parents' uh, furniture store at my grandparents' furniture store in like the 1950s. That's yeah. insane. Yeah. That's amazing. <laughs> so, you know, my, I mean, I'm on Parkview, right? So I'm between oh. Beverly and Temple on Parkview. So, oh it's, you know, I used to, when I moved here, first moved here three and three years ago, I would walk to the, you know, I knew the owner and Sid the cat. So I would, I was just on the guest list permanently. Oh. Yeah. And then, and, and you know, cause the bootleg LA has a club problem. There's a lot of bad clubs here, you know, and like, yes. yes. And, you know, bootleg was like, didn't sound good but it was like a great club you know it was like a yeah. very very positive place to go yes you I know can. which can't can't be said about a lot of places the echo is like a like truly depressing you know it's yes. depressing you know <laughs> it is it's like and like I'd say most clubs here are troubadour is okay but locationally it's fucked oh my god you know? And it's I like, no one's going to the West side. You know what I mean? You couldn't, you can't, you couldn't drag me to the West. There's no way. No, you know? no. It's, it's really like, it's like a state event. Anytime I go to the West side, like, it's, it's like, it's, it's the whole it's such day. a big deal, it's right? The whole day. It's the whole like, day. cause you have to plan to get there. Then it has to be worthwhile once you get there. Cause you know, you're going to be there for a few hours. Cause you don't want to just hop back in your car and drive like another two hours. And the yeah. West side is why people don't like LA, you know, like people, People don't know anything about it. people are fucking stupid about LA. Like honestly, like when anyone opens their mouth about LA, it's like when, especially on the East Coast, I'm like, you may not know what you're talking about. You know what I mean? Like, like, and that's okay, but like, you know what I mean? Like, people don't do that. People don't feel comfortable to talk about other cities in that way. Somehow, like it's like open season on LA. You know, like the way that before 9/11, people felt that way about New York. Yes, they could just freely diss New York. You know. Yes. And where, where are you from? I'm from Florida, a, a, another place that people have literally no idea what they're talking about, you know, because it's like Florida's in the tropics. If you can't be happy in the tropics, I personally will put you down. You know what I mean? I, I will, I will send you, <laughs> I will send you on that long night because you are not a functional animal. You know what I mean? You're not good for your partner. You're not good for your friends. You're not good for your family. If you can't be happy in the tropics, you are a sick yes. beast and you need to be put on an ice flow and kicked out into the, into the fucking middle of the, of the lake. That's such you know? a Floridian kind of like sentiment. I kind of love that. Like my entire yeah. experience of Florida, I was like, I need to experience more of it because it was going to um, an ex-boyfriend's cousin's bar mitzvah. Yeah. Um, and really what I remember of Florida is just how big my hair got. There's yeah. something about yeah. the humidity there that my hair was like, it was, it was like cartoonishly, like, I mean, I have yeah. a, lot of, a lot of hair, um, yeah. but it was, and it's naturally wavy. And so it was hilarious because instead of like, it's nice, like kind of mermaid jam, yeah. it moved 
outward in ways that I I did not know possible. Yeah. Yep. I get uh, it. That was that was my main impression of Florida because otherwise it was just a whole family extraction. Where did you go? Um, I think I was near Miami. Like it wasn't yeah. in Miami proper, but it was close to yeah. Miami. And and that is what I remember is getting ready for this bar mitzvah and being like, my hair is as wide as I am tall. Yep. <laughs> I was like, yep. wow, okay. I get it. This is a style. This is a vibe. I feel like I'm I'm in the nanny. Like this yep. was how she was teasing her hair to look, but mine just did it. Yep. Okay. <laughs> but I'd like yep. to experience more of it because I think that people... I have theories about why people judge LA. I don't know about Florida because I'm not from there, but like some ways when I was younger, I was like, oh, people are jealous of LA. But someone said something that I found interesting, which said it's almost like how we malign beautiful people. Yeah. That's how I feel about how people dunk on LA. Yeah. It's like, they know it's beautiful. They know it's a dream. They know all these things about it. And I mean, it also has other aspects. Like LA is not, a homogenous city by any means but it's, it's 80 like, it's 83 cities yeah <laughs> i mean it's it's like a joke to even talk about it you know what i mean like for yeah. uh, for outsiders you know what i mean yeah. it doesn't it's insane like people are insane to think they know what they're talking about yeah you know yeah because i've, I've I, your- well i would say there's a cor- corollary to what you're saying i i would say that it's that most people know that they would be by the standards of beauty in la which may be stricter than in new york most people maybe have this baseline that they would be judged harshly here mm-hmm. which fuels a certain type of animosity towards la do you know what i mean like it is it is like a, a fitness mad you know like 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 a city filled with people that make money you know partially b- because of their looks you know what i mean like like in all kinds of business you know like tv film music modeling whatever like like Instagramming, you know what I mean? So it's like, yeah. I think there's that, you know, the, that joke, I'm like a, I'm like an eight in Ohio, a six in New York and an LA shoot on site, you know? Like, yes. <laughs> and so I think that that's, that's I, I do think that that's part of it, you know? And also I, I think that there is this feeling too, that like, there's so much media that's come out of LA. You know, there's so much of, of the American reality, like the international dream of the US has been like printed from LA. It just has like, like every, like probably like 90% of like, you know, big budget movies in, in, in the past hundred years have been like set in Los Angeles. Like if you really like aggregate US media, like in empire output, and there is just a feeling of like, that's a lot of oxygen for one city to take up. Do you know what I mean? Like, Listen, Paris is resented deeply yes. outside of, you know what I mean? Like it's too much oxygen. It's, it's, it's just like a, 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 the kid that's gotten like, you know, the kid that got a free ride into where, you know, to some division one college and the, the other five siblings are like, fuck this dude. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, like literally our parents only talk about this one brother of ours, you know? LA is quite accidentally the golden child. Yeah. Okay. Am I messing up our schedule here by chatting? Right? You are you are only... doing, you are doing exactly what the podcast is. That that is good. you're doing podcasts okay. well. You are okay, good. 
It's so funny because several people have asked me that, but the whole structure of the podcast that it originally started off, like prior to all the gestures to everything, that I was talking to people who are in multiple fields and how that informs our yeah. identity. But now uh, there's such a schmooshing of fields and such a schmooshing of identity that occurred Yeah, that I like to just talk to people about what's on their landscape right now. Yeah, I love it. That's great. I just it. don't want to mess you up. Yeah. if I, As long as I don't mess you up, I'm good. I appreciate that. No, I, I'm trying to think of if anybody has messed up the podcast. I mean, there was one time when a helicopter went by that, that was, that was a big mistake, right? That was a, that was a terrible mistake. Well, I mean, <laughs> but listen, honestly, like, like a lot of people were boring, you know, like no offense to humans, but like, you know, a lot of people are extremely boring and, and it may not even be their fault. It may just be the, that they talk too slow. You know what I mean? It may just be that they're actually like don't want to say anything that will ruffle anyone's feathers on under any circumstance and or they're just not wired very hot you know god bless them but not everyone is is interesting and by the way there's a lot of like super interesting people that you wouldn't want to be friends with you know so i'm I'm not saying that like it's really just only good to be interesting because there's a lot of people that i think are fascinating that i really don't like you know so i was talking with someone about um about Elon Musk, mm-hmm. where I was speaking to that, where, you know, I don't, I don't villainize people. I mean, I think that. Oh, I do. <laughs> like, I think there's good and bad in everybody. And some people the the bad is more prevalent than the good for sure. Um, I was saying about it though. And I don't know if you feel this way. That's funny that you're just like, oh no, I can cast people as villains. Like, I'm curious what your thoughts are that I was just like, just on one, and we don't need to talk about him because he's a, a snooze, but like yeah. the actual like political, you know, component and, and, and his like, his impact, yeah. you know, in, in the past 10 years, it's, 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 it's truly horrible. It's awful. Maybe I could cast him as a villain with that knowledge. I'm just I like, think, I think you would not hesitate. If you listen to that true and series, I think you would be like deeply distressed <laughs> because he's not just like Jeff Bezos. Elon Musk isn't going anywhere. You know, the, these companies are, these are, these are like part of the American landscape. They're not going anywhere. They're going to be siphoning off billions and billions and billions of our tax money in the future. So, and, you know, if, if we think the end, his end game is just like reducing carbon footprint, we're totally delusional, you know, I mean, the end game of Elon Musk is to sell you oxygen on Mars. You know, that's, that's what he wants to, wants to do. (laughs) Well, and it's, I guess for me as a person, it's so baffling to wrap my mind around operating that way. Like it's so antithetical to how I operate as a, just as a person navigating the world that yeah, I'm because like, you're a good person. You're like not a psychopath. You know? yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, that's the problem is that like people who aren't completely sick and cynical, yeah. you know, just don't, can't imagine like how venal George W. Bush is or how truly cancerous Ronald Reagan was or Barack Obama or Joe Biden. Do you know what I mean? Like, yeah. like war, war criminals, all of them, like deep war criminals. You know, like, like, like just, if you just look at like our tally in the Middle East in the past 20 years, it's unfucking believable yeah. you know? And like, I, I just say no to all of it, you know? And I was thinking as you were speaking about like what the value is of villainizing people, because in some ways like that, 
that I'm trying to think of how to put it because it sounds strange to say it's positive to villainize people, but it's almost like, where's the line where you're just like, no, like you have crossed the line into villain territory. Like where, where is that like unredeemable line? Well, I mean, I think that if you're doing like, you know, active, uh, like war crimes. Yeah. Yeah. I was like, just like, I'm writing in like my little mental ledger. I'm like, war crimes. Yeah. Where the line for villainy lies. I mean, we we like, spent three trillion dollars in Afghanistan. Just, just, I just want you to, to, and like, what did we do in Afghanistan? Just, just like, think about like what we've done, what we've accomplished, what's left, who died, how many like, how what what three trillion dollars could have done. Yeah. Had had we wanted to actually sustain life, deal, deal. Listen, there's one issue: climate change. Yep. That's it. Yep. If you think there's anything else going on, if you think anything else matters, you're crazy. Yeah. Like, tw- they're talking about twenty. This is getting dark, but when we can shift to to other stuff. But like, they're t- they're looking at like 2040 as being like a huge tipping point. You know, like where you're starting to get like mass migrations, water wars, stuff, which is already happening. And like, listen, yeah. Ukraine is part of this. You know what I mean? Like water is a big part of this. Mm-hmm. It has to do with Crimea and it also has to do with shale and it has to do with, you know, we know what it has to do with reserves and international water rights. And like, yeah. these are resource wars, you know, and yeah. like this, this shit is going to get so weird and so violent really, really quickly. That, you know, it feels hard to let go of like Miami and New Orleans, but in like 20 years, no one's going to be like worried about letting go of like major U.S. cities because things are going to be so chaotic. So that's where I'm at with villainy. Do you know what I mean? If like if we're if we're just out there like playing like risk or chess, you know, these old senile old men, you know, are just out there playing like they're weird, you know, like proto video game geostrategic bullshit right you know what i mean like right like 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 could anyone just tell us what we were doing in afghanistan like what was that? yeah <laughs> i'm tri- like i'm like i can't um right like no. what were we doing like what were we doing in iraq like first off we were siphoning out unmetered oil by the you know the container ship for sure but like again it's all about like carbon footprint like we're just shooting our it's like we have a gun to our head and we're just like let's go baby I want to die I was talking to um it's interesting because my my parents are uh, like they had me later um so my parents are in their early 80s and I was talking to my dad about this exact issue like he was hanging out with me and one of my friends and and we were talking about the human it's like the human incapability of holding something that abstractly bad in our minds. It's like, we have to have like a negative consequence. And then that negative consequence has to almost like keep occurring in a way. It's almost like after the Northridge earthquake in LA, yeah, like yeah, right yeah. afterwards, it was such a catastrophe. Like right afterwards, like people were very much about like earthquake safety and retrofitting and like all the prep for it. But once that fades, it's hard for humans to hold that in their minds because it's so distressing that it kind of nerfs your ability to do anything else. So kind of holding that kind of stress in your mind is sometimes impossible. However, it means that then we ignore threats that aren't immediately present. And so like we were talking about that in the aspect of climate change and of, you know, like our generation 
And like my friend who he's even like a few years younger than I, and he was saying, you know, like we have a very different view on it than say my dad's generation, because for us, it's kind of like, Hey, live it up, you know, while we can and yeah. take care of our planet, because we weren't the ones that were in charge of trashing it. Yeah, um, yeah. And so we're like, we're trying to take care of it. And we tried to tell you about this, even as kids, and you chose not to when we weren't in power. So we're doing everything that we can to like remedy that. But at a certain point also, like people, I think misperceive, like, and I would say Gen Z more than millennials, this like sense of almost like cheerful nihilism about it. But yeah. it's it's the only way to cope with something when you're like, well, we've been handed essentially like a shit sandwich. Um, yeah. And so what are you going to do about it? We're going to, of course, like fight for it, but we're also not going to deny the reality of it. And so it's this whole, it's very interesting because people that I've talked to different generations say things like, you know, well, why, why aren't you following like a more traditional path? Why aren't you doing all these things? And it's like traditional <laughs> success no longer exists. And also yes. this like accelerated timeline of extraordinary change during our lifetime. Why would we follow that blueprint? Like that blueprint yeah. is for something else. Yeah. Yep. Um, yeah. And so there's a very different way of thinking about it where it's like, it's not perceived at least for me as nihilism to yeah. be like, Hey, like we are acting in a way that our planet is not going to be able to sustain this level of yeah. human life. And there's going to be giant catastrophes and, and change, but it's also like, in some ways, it's a way of coping with the fact that things are about to big change. Things are already yeah. changing and to ignore yeah. that change. It's a human defense mechanism. So you can keep functioning. Totally get that. Yeah. But it can be balanced with then acknowledgement of that change and positively engaging with it instead of just having it be like a source of either background stress or denial. Yeah. Like, and, and also deny, you know, if you're like 20 years old, like you're just also clearly denying this, like this fantasy that let's say recycling, you know, that your individual responsibility right. has anything to do with climate change. Do you know what I mean? That like, you need to like, compost and recycle and so everything is like offloaded from like chevron and you know right. what you know like like yes like you the, know bp and like these like and raytheon yes. you know and the u.s oh military God. which is one of the world's largest polluters always yep. you know yep i noticed that i found the title of because your publicist it's so funny it's so weird getting like publicist blast because like Oh yeah. Nick, Nick is great. Nick Salter yeah. is the shit. You awesome. Know? Yeah. He just, he was, I was texting with him. I'm like, I was so sorry. My neighbor's kitchen exploded. <laughs> like, yeah. I was like, yeah. don't, don't, I'll be right there. Like I was tempted to like send photos cause they look even more disastrous than it actually is. We had to cut a hole in my ceiling. Like one does. Damn shit. Sometimes. Love that for yeah. that. Mm. Um, but, uh, but yeah, like it was interesting now getting these things because I never anticipated being in a way like a music journalist because like I've been yeah. making music for years and doing therapy stuff for years and like so I'm in kind of like the creative arts and then the healing arts and all those things yeah. but seeing now like the other side it's so much fun to read about how someone writes their story and about how someone yeah. tells a story about another artist and I was looking at your at your press release and like I was looking at the title of some of the songs and like Raytheon was mentioned and I love that you like reference like like all the dark web stuff I was like Oh, this is going to be an interesting conversation. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, I know a lot about the dark web. I will say that. I was just like, that to me is fascinating. I've I've dated, I don't know what the crossover is of like creative arts and um and the sciences in that way, but I've dated a lot of coders and programmers and things like yeah. that. Um, and I'm curious what it's like, what led you to the dark web? Well, it's funny because a lot of like you know, there's a lot of like sciencey people that they're really pro-drug, you know, because they don't really have, they can just like look at like 
evidence and look at numbers and tox, you know, toxicity and just be like, oh, if I'm going to do drugs, this is safe. And if the safest place to get it is from the dark web, there's like, you know, like this, you know, these number of people per year are locked up for receiving drugs and it's in these states, you know, people can be very logical about it and kind of transcendent of like this generalized dare style fear about drugs or drug drug like acquisition you know yes yes um and i i just don't like i mean i'm like a nervous artist type but i also just don't care about the law you know i'm i'm a like anti-authoritarian person so as opposed to approaching it logically i'm just like i hate the u.s government so much i want to do I want to undermine the rule of law as much <laughs> as I can. And I want to teach people as much as possible how to like take control of their own, you know, conscious, their own sovereignty of their consciousness, you know, and their own body. Like, I'm sorry, but you can do, like, if they're going to put lead and mercury and SSRIs and hella drugs and hormones into the LA County water supply, just like every other municipal water supply, and, you know, microplastics, and I probably said that, but, but like, if they're going to do that and tell you that you can't, like, take MDMA, do, do you know what I mean? It's just like, it's like, are you fucking kidding me? You know what I mean? Like, like, so I, you know, I just like bought like a seven stage water filter and installed it in my place. And so I, you know, do that. And then I also just buy peer reviewed drugs on the dark web. It's, it's not easy, but it's like, it's maybe one of the smartest things that I kind of like, you know, in a, in a, in a life of questionable activities, it was one of the smarter decisions that I made because I just, I, you know, I like drugs and I don't, and I hate, I hate druggies. I hate drug dealers with a fucking passion. I hate drug addicts. It's like, like handle your drugs. You know what I mean? Like we can be like, be like, don't act like you've been here before don't fucking ruin the party don't you know what i mean like if you take out your dad's car when you're 14 don't fucking crash it you know what i mean like like if you're gonna do it do it right and don't make it this look bad so that's my whole philosophy it's just like i am of dutch heritage i'm probably as much dutch heritage as any you know it's like who cares you know i mean i have like a you know, anglicized like Dutch last name, but mm-hmm. like there is something about this like self-determination, mm-hmm. this kind of like j- like self-responsibility that the Dutch have. And that you see it in Holland when you, you know, when there's no guardrail in front of the of the canal. You know, so you can just pull up and drive right into the canal. And who do you think does that? Dumbass drunk tourists. You know what I mean? But like the Dutch themselves. They're inc- they have incredibly low overdose rates, incredibly low drug usage rates. Like they're very, they're like, let's work, let's get work done. They're like a merchant class. You know what I mean? Like uh-huh. they, you know, when they're kids, they play board games of like, you know, Dutch East India, like, you know, like, <laughs> like, like, you know what I mean? Like st- starting opium wars and like, you know what I mean? Like, but like, so I just have a little bit in that in, in me where I'm just like, take responsibility for what you do. Don't do it too much, you know, be, keep everything in check. I'm yeah. fairly anti-alcohol and I'm very, very pro-drug and I'm not, I don't have this like, like I'm, you know, pro ceremonial drugs, but like, don't do hard drugs. I don't buy that either. That to me is like, there's no good or bad drug. 
You know, I don't, I don't, that to me is offensive because there's really good hard drugs. You know, do you, do you, do you like need to get addicted to heroin? I would say you should definitely not get addicted to heroin. I like I'm going to, I'm just, <laughs> just going to say like controversial you know opinion stated here. <laughs> and, and I'm just going to go out and say it. Like if we grant you the keys to the fucking castle, you can make choices. Do you know what I mean? Like, like, I think that like, like by like pretending the drugs are some dark evil force that we can't control and therefore you need to be arrested if you do them because you don't have any agency in this world. That just fuels this completely bizarre relationship with drug use where it's not about a health issue, right? It's about like an inner weakness, you know, or so I question the idea. It's a little annoying for me to say this, and I'm sorry because someone's going to write me, but I do question the kind of the general universe around addiction. You know what I mean? Like, I, I, I think that like, I de-emphasize that in my, my own like thinking about drugs. And I, you know, emphasize and bolster this idea of like, we, if we talk about it as a health issue, you know, what you put in your body, whether it's food or drugs or any other substance or municipal water, and we take responsibility, then, um, you know, and like this is predicated on the idea that we live in a, like a socialist empire and that everyone has free education, free housing, free healthcare. That's never going to fucking happen. So here we are. So we've got like someone cooking meth, you know, maybe 60 yards away from me on my street. And it's a complicated reason why he's in that tent. So I'm not stupid. You know what I mean? Like, right. I, I get it. Like, you know what I mean? Like, I'm not dismissing all this stuff. But like, but if we have, if we were able to, have a much more responsible and adult conversation about drugs. It I don't know how anything could be worse than the current, you know, problem in the US. I mean you brought up something <clears throat> so interesting to me, which is people's relation to substances, but also people's relation to their own body and their experience and the agency that they have over their body yeah. and their experience, which like to me, like that was remarkable when you said that, because like that in my mind is linked to things like either addiction or like drug misuse, where it's like, if you're not, if you don't have agency over your own experience, that might cause you to make decisions that are not good for you or for other people, because you feel helpless, you feel like you want to regain control, or you feel really disconnected and you want to check out. Like there could be all sorts of things that like, if that relationship is out of alignment yeah, yeah. and relationship to different substances is going to be out of alignment. Yeah. Um, and so it's like, if you grant people agency, but also I think what you also brought up was important. If you don't have the resources of education or of safety that make you feel like you can be at home in your body, yeah. like, it's yeah. really difficult to do that. And so that might be why some people it goes awry. Cause I have a very similar view to you on, on drugs in general, where I remember going through the dare program and being like, in a way, one, like I had certain friends that they were like, this made me want to do drugs because oh, it's very yeah. exciting. Yes. Yeah. Um, whereas my reaction to it was like, this is kind of farcical, but I think that also I might've had just a very different perspective because my parents are both retired DAs. So like, yeah. I thought it was a bit silly. It was like, it was yeah. like, it was like watching the Shakespearean drug program. I'm like, that's not how any of this goes. What's wrong yes. with you? Yep. And so like, yep. so it didn't have the intended effect, I think really <clears throat> on any of us. Uh, but like, what I find so interesting about what you said is that it's like that person cooking meth on the corner in a tent there are other things that have gone wrong that have not supported that person, which is probably why they're at a tent cooking meth. Like yeah, since, people. since age zero, do you know what yeah, I mean? Like this country yeah. is fucking ruthless. You know yeah. what I mean? Like, 
Because most people yeah. aren't like, ah, yes, time for my 10 o'clock meth cooking in a tent. Yeah. Like you have other options. If you have other support, if you have other resources, most people are not going to do that. Yes. Um, and so I feel also very similarly about like what you want to ingest and how you want that to affect your body and doing that with purpose. Like what you were describing, I was like, yeah, I personally, you know, especially given the way that people have like cut drugs with other drugs, all sorts of stuff that you don't know what's in your body. I like peer reviewed drugs. Peer reviewed drugs sound like the way to go. Like I'm just like <laughs> Absolutely. hundred percent. And you know, they say that like addiction is the opposite of connection, which I think is very, very interesting. Like if you have something to show yeah. up for, you know, if you yeah. have community, if it's like, it's just, just much less of a problem. And I don't know how you could do worse than the Western world with alcohol anyways. Do you know what I mean? It's like, I don't even know why people bother talking about other shit. It's like, yeah, we've definitely through the generosity of the Sackler family, we've managed to get opiate deaths up to, you know, or opioid slash opiate deaths up to a hundred thousand a year, which is fucking oh, crazy. But that was generated by us pharma. And that was generated by the FDA, not doing jack shit for decades, you yep. know, and like Sacklers were involved in Valium. Like they, 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 they you know, P Purdue and that, like they've been in, they know what they're doing. Like, this is a grift that's been going on forever. You know what I mean? And like, yeah. So, you know, I, the, the, the whole thing with this like snitch cop showing up in my junior high school, this dare cop, I remember thinking mm -hmm. this motherfucker probably beats his wife and is an alcoholic. So like, you know, like who, what's, what's the moral compass here? You know, who's right. the authority? You know what I mean? Right. Like cops are some of the most evil fucking people in the world. You know what I mean? It's like, like, if you just look like at the aggregate misery that these people have leveled on neighborhood after neighborhood and that they're enforcing drug laws is yep. crazy. There shouldn't be drug laws. Like this is completely, I mean, there should be laws about, you know, food safety and drug safety. Definitely. I'm not an anarchist. You know what I mean? But these are not, not criminal issues. These are health issues. Well, and I look to see like in the things that you're talking about, I look to see when I see problems like this, I look to see who's gaining power and who's gaining profit. Like follow, yeah. following that, I look to see who's, who's benefiting from this and why. Um, and it's very sad to me that people do profit off of other people's pain or that people do then gain power and a sense of agency by having power over others instead of like having that internal locus of like, okay, I can dictate my own actions and that is good enough for me. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> and that, yeah, it's very, I don't know. When Also, when you were talking about like the self-determinism of like Dutch culture, I noticed that in Iceland too, where it was interesting to see how some of like, uh, uh, I was in what I would best describe as a sulfuric hot bug. Yeah, <laughs> that sounds I, amazing. Oh yeah. God, I can't wait to go back. I miss my friends there so much. Um they're all really lovely. And also Iceland is like a whole microcosm of like a sci-fi planet, but on an island, like there's just all these things. I, I got to go there, right? Like, don't I have to go there? Oh, you, you must. It is imperative. I am telling you right now, like I, I felt strangely immediately at home there, which is very interesting being from LA, could not imagine a more different place in Reykjavik. Yeah. But I felt so at peace there and so at home and so curious about everything but what I found so interesting in this in this one place was like, there's just hot, whatever it is, bubbling out of, you know, bogness, it's raining and sleeting and I'm watching bogs, but like the guardrail ends at a certain point and there's like, you know, trails up the hill and whatnot. And my friend explained that he's just like, yeah, he's just like, 
you know, this is much like the black sand beach that I showed you. They don't send rescue crews to the black sand beach because the rescue crews will die trying to rescue people in the water. Much like if you go past where the little walkway is, like that's on you, buddy. And so it's this attitude of just like, not, you know, everyone out for themselves, but just like, maybe use a little bit of common sense. Yeah. Um, And so maybe, maybe we do better. Yeah. And also maybe we do better with actually, you know, like, with, with being granted agency, yes. maybe humans actually rise to the occasion and kind of like, you know, sharpen up a little bit, you know, like this yes. is good, you know? Yes. And, and it's hard. Like, I don't know if you've had this experience. I, I am sometimes, uh, my friends describe me as being there. Like, they're like, sometimes you're too kind. Like I'm kind by nature, but like, I have difficulty sometimes like setting a boundary and letting people do stupid things because I'm just like, oh no, but what if I can protect yeah, but that's, stupid things? But that's it's, not sometimes, exactly. Yeah. I'm like, sometimes you gotta, uh, I explained this phrase to my dad and I can't wait for him to use it on his octogenarian friends. I explained fuck around and find out. Yeah. And my dad yeah. was like, what a great phrase. And so I can't wait for yeah. him to say it to someone, but like, but yeah, it's like, I have, I have difficulty sometimes being like, oh, I gotta let them, I gotta let them fuck around so they can get to the find out. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Because that you might just have a life lesson there, you know, and, yeah. and it's, we all, you know, this is how you build a life, you know? Yes. Yes. I'm currently witnessing one of my friends go through the find out phase and I'm like, Oh, that was a brutal find yeah. out, but like, I'm glad you're there. <laughs> yeah. Yep. <laughs> It's tough though. Like, I think that might be why we tend to put up guardrails and things like that is we're just like, no, I want, I want you to just believe the find out from hearsay. Like maybe you don't have to find out. I found out, maybe yeah. I can tell you. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I'm curious, do you do the research for the, like the podcast you mentioned? Like, are, do you do the research for it? Do you do the research with it? Like, tell me more about that. Wait, do, did I'm sorry? Did you mean the true true and on thing that yeah, I mentioned before? Yeah, is that your podcast or is no, that- no? That's that's oh. just it's it's a it's a podcast that I was uh, I'm I know the producer, oh. uh, Young Chomsky, and we <laughs> did we did a podcast together. But I was a fan of that oh. podcast before we started working together, so it was like a long kind of relationship. I I met that producer I think in the first time in 2005 when I was like playing a show. God. So I've known that producer who's, a, he's a great person. He's a really good friend of mine. He's actually visiting LA and he's coming here. He's the person coming here that I have to, because <laughs> there's like, do, do you know Kaveh Zahedi? Do you know the filmmaker Kaveh Zahedi? No. You know him at all? Okay. That's, that's too long to get into, but, uh, but so, so True and On is, you know, they're just a great, like investigative, you know, lefty podcast and, uh, I'm pretty obsessed with them, but we, but me and Young Chomsky also did a podcast together. I mean, it was 99%. It was actually his heavy lifting, but it was a, um, a history of Tiny Telephone, the recording studio I owned in San Francisco. Aww. So it's like a five part um, pod that was basically like produced by Truanon. And it's a really, really good podcast. It's like extremely entertaining. <laughs> and it's, you know, it's a history of the studio and they're like, like mountain goats is in it. Tune yards is in it. Like there's lemony snickets in it. Like there's like crazy people interviewed in this podcast and it's it, John Congleton. It's like really, really fascinating. And um, yeah, it's just a history of like a very unusual um, 
and chaotic art space in San Francisco in the middle of the mission that survived for 23 years. Wow. You know, at, you know because we were like resilient scammers, basically, you know. <laughs> <laughs> well, the mission, I mean, what years were you there? It's fascinating to me because my sister lives in the Bay Area. And so like, I'm up there a decent bit. Tell her I'm, I tell her I'm deeply sorry that she has to live there. It's really, really sad. It's, Where does she live? So my sister and I are a tale of, wow, these people have the same sense of humor, but could not be more different. Um, she lives in Marin, actually. Where, where in Marin? Uh, San Rafael. What does she do? So I'm the only not lawyer in my family. My yeah. sister originally um, was a lawyer and was doing asbestos litigation and hated it. Whoa, so shit. Yeah. Yeah. So she stopped. Um, and then went through a journey of how do I summarize in a TLDR? I gave her a CD of Harry and the Potters as a joke for Hanukkah one year. And she became so obsessed that she ended up helping run Harry Potter conferences Whoa! and discovered she was really good at event management. And so she did that. Um, but then she like shifted gears because she wanted to focus on having kids. And so I have my nieces and my nieces yeah. are, um, 10 and eight, wait, 11 and eight. My older niece would be very offended that I just said 10. Um, and so she would focus more on that. But now as they're getting older, she's like, hey, like, what do I want to start planning again? What do I want to start doing? But then like, obviously pandemic. Um, so now she's getting involved more of like, hey, do I want to help out with their school? Do I want to help out with a local temple? Like, do I want to do like part-time event management? Like, what, yeah. what do I want to do now? But like, she ended up, she moved up there because her uh, like my brother-in-law is from there and they've been dating since freshman year of college and they got married after law school wow that's cool yeah. yeah so she moved up there and so I've kind of vicariously experienced the bay area through like through her lens yeah um and it's like I would be staying usually in like San Rafael which like is just this you know it felt just very sleepy suburban but also extraordinarily yeah. wealthy and so that to me was a very interesting dichotomy of like it was very unlike LA wealth where it's like everybody up there pretends not to be wealthy but pretends in the same way it's very strange to me yeah um yeah it's, a, like, it's yeah it's yeah. very strange and then I watched you know the city itself where like I remember like playing shows at Viracocha and like seeing friends there and like I enjoyed that portion of the city and then it just changed so quickly um and like I don't have friends who live in the city anymore frankly I have a few friends yeah. in Iceland. But other than that, I like I used to have friends that lived in the city and I simply don't. And it's not because I've ceased talking to people. It's because people have ceased living there. Yeah, no, no one. No one could have stayed there, you know. No. And so that's why I was curious, like what what era of of mission were were you missioning? It was 1997 to 2020. OK, so it was like really right at, co you know, basically like COVID ended everything you know yeah. and and but you know we were going to go out anyways because this I moved to LA and yeah. the city was like it was untenable you know I mean it's like you know I, I don't think any arts business really could stay there without being like heavily subsidized you know that was that was the impression I got like one of my friends even asked they're like where do you even play in San Francisco anymore and I genuinely didn't know I was like shrug yeah, there's, there's not, <laughs> you know, there, there, whatever Viracoche was, which was great, it's gone. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, like, like anything like that is definitely gone. I mean, I've, it's just like, to what happened in the mission 
in, in just in a 10 year span, it was like most US cities don't transform that much. You know what I mean? It's like, it's like just slower and I don't know, more messy, but it was crazy because, you know, I was there every day driving through the mission and interacting in the mission and running a business there. And like to just see like something just get like, it was, it's wild because it was like, you saw something just get like, you know, hundreds of millions of dollars like injected into this really relatively small neighborhood that has like a three story building limit. You know, it's like, it's like NIMBY central, you know, and like, and everything that happened in the mission made it worse. You know what I mean? Yeah. It was like kind of strange to see that, like mm-hmm. that, that there was so much money that came in and, and I'm not even talking about like, Oh, the, you know, like these rich people don't please me with their, you know, AirPods or whatever. It was just that the, the businesses, the, the, the vibe, the aesthetics, the, um, overall happiness quotient of people walking down the street, like everything went to shit. You know what I mean? It was like, even like the newcomers that like lived in lofts on Valencia street, weren't happy. Like no one was happy. You know what I mean? Like. Yeah. And that's, and that's so funny that you even said Valencia street. Cause I was like, Oh, one of my friends used to live there. Yeah. And it's like that. I remember reading an article quite a while ago that cited, and I don't know if the figure is still accurate, um, but they cited that it was uh, $72,000 that that was uh, approximately the income at which uh, happiness when measured as like contentedness with life just levels off in, in yeah. the US. And I'm curious what that number is currently because that article was published a while ago. Like I remember yeah. that article a while ago, but there's a certain threshold at which um, once you have security and your needs met, that more money and more resources uh, do not bring more happiness. Yeah. It levels off. It doesn't necessarily yeah. drop, but yeah. like it just kind of, like flat lines, it's not yeah. give you more happiness or more joy to have more of that because you already you already have like the launch pad for you know fulfillment essentially. Yeah, you're not gonna you're not gonna just make more launch pads like yeah. yeah. And so that's interesting that you noted that it was even like the feeling of like people walking down the street like they weren't they weren't happy. They weren't happy. Like, and it's like just think about like you know that whole study. It's interesting because it does. I think that like it re- it just feels true right because we've we've had more you know we've like we've aspired towards something right you know like what i think about me being like peak ambition for me was like maybe 2008 2009 2010 that's when i was like every like strand of my dna was like trying hard to you know to get bigger because i knew that like if you don't if you don't level up in touring, if you don't get bigger in music, if you don't get more leverage, then you, you know, you, cause you, you open up for bigger bands and you're like, Oh shit, they're playing like small theaters. Like this is so much better than playing them in a bar. And yeah. they, they have like, you know, they have like a monitor person and a front of house person. And like, you know, you start to like get these, like these little like jumps that you want to make. Yeah. And, and you, and if you get, if you acquire any of those, like you know, those level ups, right. They actually bring you sadness because then you realize like how far you are from acquiring the level ups that you need to get to where you want to go. You know, it's like, like for me, like, you know, I started touring, you know, with the mountain goats early and, and they were always like way bigger than me. 
So and that caused me happiness, not resentment. You know what I mean? I was like, this is beautiful. I love them. They make great records. They're beautiful people. And, but I want to get closer to there. You know what I mean? But like what happens, and I think that this, this probably happens with like wealth in general, as you're aspiring, those things that you're aspiring to are getting bigger. <laughs> They're getting richer. Yeah. You know what I mean? And you're, you're creeping along in your own like little hobbled way and you're never going to close the gap. Do you know what I mean? So it's like, you're playing, it's a complete illusion, whatever game you're playing, because your needs, just like that 72,000, which is probably a hundred thousand now, you know, it's like, or, and adjusted for whatever city you're living in and whatever dystopian hellscape County of America is fucking you over at the moment. You know, I mean, you know, and and like LA County is my county, but, but Hey, I have food stamps and I have EBT. I mean, I have EBT and Medi-Cal. So California provides, you know what I mean? Like, so we, we got to give California that, but, but those, but, but chasing those like markers for me, I remember the first time I was able to take a, a tour manager on tour Yeah, and it maybe made me feel good for like 15 minutes. And then I was on to the next thing. And that's just, it's beautiful that that's human nature. It's okay. Do you know what I mean? But you need to acknowledge that like, whatever you're chasing it's not happiness. You know what I mean? So don't think it is for a second. You know what I mean? It's not fulfillment because that is community. That is a, like a primary partner that you're in love with. That is like, that is like some basic ass shit that we've been doing for thousands of years. You know what I mean? That's like just being with people you love. So, you know, maybe we need to like, uh, simplify and wise up and you know what I mean? And like, you know, external notches aren't going to do it. Nope. Nope. That it, I don't know if you saw my face, but I was just like, yes, that like speaks to it's it, like that spoke to my heart and my body in a way that I was just like, yeah, that's the stuff that's important because like, you know, thinking about all of the markers that we have of success, even like looping back to what we were talking about initially about even like who's a villain. Um, it's like, those things are not going to bring you happiness because ultimately even in talking about addiction and stuff too, it's that connectedness. That's when you feel most at peace and most at home is like when you feel connected. Yes, 100%. And, like, and you're not, you can't like win connection through like your gold stars. Like you can't just be like, I got enough no. stars in the game of the music industry. So now I feel connected. <laughs> like, yeah, yeah. It doesn't work that way. I no. mean, if it, <laughs> if it did, people who were like hella famous would be happy. Do you know what I mean? Like read an interview with Joni Mitchell. Do you know what I mean? It's like, it doesn't work that way. No, you know, no. And like, you know, having, having grown up here, I do sometimes forget. That's why I was curious where you grew up. Like I didn't realize how like strange and rarefied LA was compared to other places. So I yeah. love that point of view that it takes up a lot of oxygen in the room. And I'm like, yeah, we kind of do. Oops. Yeah. Um, but like having grown up here and, and meeting really a range of people and meeting people who are of a class of wealth that is quite extraordinary um, going to school with them and stuff. It's like, I saw that that can actually be like far more destructive than anything else. Yeah. And so it at least taught me a lot personally about my own aspirations and what I was aspiring to. And, and yeah. Why. Um, yeah. because I feel like I'm glad that I got that proximity. I, I did, I did get the find out vicariously. I did not have to do the fuck around. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, 
that like, once you actually can see that, cause yes, you can read interviews and it's like, once, once you have that perspective, then you can adjust yeah. what you're aspiring to. Cause I do think it is in human nature that we do look to the next thing. It's sometimes hard to celebrate like our victories or celebrate our connection. Yeah. Cause we do want to do the next thing. The next thing yeah. is exciting. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And <clears throat> we don't want to face down the existential, you know, issue that like, I, I, you know, I spent four years building a studio in Oakland, tiny telephone, Oakland. I don't think I ever even opened a fucking Topo Chico to celebrate that thing. I, I mean, I remember, you know, open on January 11th, like, you know, seven years ago. And I, I don't, I just think I just went to work the next morning. You know what I mean? I don't, I didn't do anything Yeah. and it, and it fried my nervous system to build it. And it gave me like almost zero pleasure. I mean, that's not true. It gave me zero pleasure as like a marker of, you know, it was just another, like, it was another like point on the, the, the map to completing this video game. And like, that's yeah. where I started getting like deeply alienated from ambition, deeply yeah. alienated from my own internal drive, which I do not believe in anymore at all. I literally don't fucking care about anything other than like being in love, petting my cats and hanging out with my friends. Don't care. Really don't care. I mean, I, I just got offered a tour that I may or may not take because I just don't, and I love the people that offered it to me, but I just don't want to be away from my girlfriend and I don't want to be away from my cats. And that's the truth. And it's not even that long of a tour. I'm just like a basic B-I-T-C-H. <laughs> You know, I was talking to someone last night about like, where does like relationship fit in, in your pie? Like if you're, if you're dividing yeah. your pie into the different things and what we were talking about is that I, I have a bigger pie slice currently for where I rank relationship Yeah, and that yeah. that's like, okay. But for me, that's what resonates. Yeah. And so like, I have to be in proximity to people that have the same pie slice. Yes. Um, cause if they have too much pie slice, that can be like overwhelming for me, but if they have yeah. too little pie slice, then I'm like, Oh, like, then you're not going to be as into this as I am. Yes. Yep. Yep. Um, and so I'm not going to judge someone else's pie slice, yeah. but like, I do feel that, that my current pie slice is in alignment with what you said of just like, what are the things that do bring me the most fulfillment? Yeah. And it's like my relation to others. Like I feel very yeah. for the relationships that I have. And so that is why they're, they're, you know, I wouldn't say it's like the whole pie. Um, yeah. it's a pretty reasonable slice. Yeah. Yep. And so it's like, if that, if that's your pie slice, like that's your pie slice, that's what brings yep. you happiness. That's where you're yep. at. I'm just like, yeah. <laughs> thumbs up for that. hundred percent. Like that. hundred percent. That's it right there. You don't want to like ruin that. I remember reading that like Fiona Apple was, you know, not going on tour because she was caring for her, for her elderly dog. And I was like, wow, I respect the heck out of that. Yeah. Like, cause that's something you're never going to get back. Not that you'd ever get like tour back. It's not like every single tour date's the same or, you know, things like that, but it's yeah. like those relationships are things that you you can't replace those. You're never going to get that experience again. And it's like, that's extraordinarily personally valuable. So honor that. hundred percent. Yeah. Yeah. 100%. Yeah. Ah, oh, thank you for being so generous with your time today. I was like, speaking of relating. <laughs> no, this is great. Listen, this is what we're here for. It is, it was like, it was amazing to be off the grid of like the usual structured, 
conversation. You know, it's like a relief to just, cause like, I don't, I know who I am. I don't want to talk about myself. Do you know what? I'm not a narcissist. You know what I mean? Like, why would I want to just like keep talking about the same stuff? Like, yeah. why do I want, I don't even want to talk about like, you know, like everyone makes a record. We, I just made the record. Why would I want to talk about it? You know what I mean? Like, I yeah, want to talk like, about I already did the thing. Go enjoy the thing. Why did, the whole point is that you do it and then you just move on. You know what I mean? It feels like, feels like a little strange to be like, I mean, it's it exists. It's right there. You know what right. I mean? Like you want to engage with it. Like yes. it's not the, I didn't make a record to talk, to talk about it. You know what I mean? Like it's just, just listen to it. I don't know. Okay. <laughs> You're awesome. Thank you again for listening to this episode of Why Not Both. If you liked what you heard, please make sure to like us and subscribe to us on your preferred podcast platform. You can also come hang out with us on social media. We are at WNB the podcast, both on Instagram and on Twitter. This season, we are brought to you by Under the Radar magazine. Under the Radar is a nationally distributed print, music, and entertainment magazine and website. You can find them at www.undertheradarmag.com and feel free to support them on Patreon. Extra special thanks to our producer, Laura Studeris, who is literally a rock star. Thanks again, and I look forward to seeing you next episode. Oh, 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 oh,